This episode of The Table Podcast is brought to you by Southern Fusion Barbecue Sauce. You can pick up some of that spicy Southern sweetness at southernfusionbbq.com. You're listening to The Table Podcast. This is more than just a podcast. It's a place we want to have beneficial, informative, and entertaining conversations, all from a Christian worldview. So thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can join the conversation, too, by emailing us at thetablepodcastsc at gmail.com. The podcast starts in three, two... One. Hey, uh, everybody, welcome to the table. Glad you joined us. Uh, thank you for sitting down. And, and today, um, I am I'm, I'm really honored and, and I have a joy of, of sitting down and interviewing. I call him... Uh, my, my my youth pastor, I still, when I introduce him, I, I jokingly introduce him as my youth pastor because he, that's how I met him. Um, and uh, he is, he, he has a lot to do with um, the man that I am today. And I'm, I'm excited to have Dwayne Morris, the Dwayne Morris at the table. So Dwayne, welcome to the table. Glad you're here, man. Jimmy, I am uh, super honored and uh, looking forward to this. We've, been, we've had this on the calendar for a while, so I've been uh, anxiously awaiting this opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> for all all four listeners, you're hard guy. You're hard guy to get a hold of. Well, um, you're you're kind of busy. So so where you been the last few weeks? What's been going on in your life? Well, our we've been in a family in transition. I've got three children. Uh, my oldest uh, is a graphic designer for Denny's. Lives in Dallas, Texas. Uh, my middle child is uh, logan oldest is taylor middle child is logan uh morris jolly she got married last summer and she lives in arkansas uh finishing up grad school round two kobe gave her another year and then i've got a son who is freshman at finishes freshman year at charleston southern and and he's doing and you, well, you've got you've got another family member, a newer family member that y'all y'all have. <laughs> yeah, we got a, a a canine four legged family member, and uh, <laughs> he has been a a, a blessing. We we had to um, surrender our first dog, and um, he just got got a little sick, mm-hmm. and um, this new one uh, named Murphy has just been a, a, a really big blessing for my my wife. But the um, but all the travel has been just uh, our youngest daughter has, runs track for yeah. the University of Arkansas yeah. and just kind of her swan song season mm-hmm. and all the way to Eugene for the national championship. Wow. Where she um, finished as an All-American after having tripped over a barrier. In, I saw that. Yes. I saw the trip. Um, what – how how did that feel as a parent? Like you you jokingly and and I'll say this to everybody that's listening. Dwayne is an absolutely fascinating follow, and this is not because I'm showing partiality. He's like a super fascinating follow on Instagram and social media because he's posting his his family happenings and and there was a um, you posted was it a couple weeks or a couple days ago that there was a post of like the process of the moment that Logan fell. Yeah. You, did you have several pictures, or was that from was that from Avery, or who was that from? Uh, a parent in the stand. We had to. We all set out on a mission to find the the picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you were watching on ESPN, ESPN missed the shot. I mean, oh, because she was. It was the last lap. She had gone from last to fifth, mm-hmm. chasing third. Wow. 
Oh, I mean, wow. a lot of them, she had the momentum. She She's very calculated. And mm-hmm. so she was, um, I mean, charging to third. Mm. First and second were too far gone. Third, yeah. All-American was going to be, would be very respectable. Right. And uh, and so they show her coming around the curve. Well, not show her, but uh, several runners coming around the curve. And uh, they cut away about 50 yards before she tripped over yeah. it. It would have been a, a great shot. Yeah. But, you know, as a parent... She got back up, and uh, that's probably my most proud moment. Yeah. You know, and she got up, and she kept going. She wasn't injured, was she? No, no. that's the good news. Yeah. But just, um, she just ran it out from that point on. Yeah. Well, she 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 lost some places, and she gained some back. You know, mm-hmm. and finished seventh. She, uh, but you know, I my most proud moment, Jimmy, is mm-hmm. several days later she yeah. reflected on it on social media. Yeah. And she talked about. She said, "I had not." She said she's a good writer, mm-hmm. very, uh, very good with her words and processes. And she right. talked about, I did not. And the way she said it, it was, I did not just fall, did I? You know, I wasn't preparing to yeah. fall. And then she went dot dot dot, or was I? And then she goes on to talk about all of her life she had been trained yeah. that you don't give up until you cross the finish line, right? You know, and so to see her reflect back and pull the wisdom of not quitting. Yeah. and be rewarded for not quitting uh that's where as a parent yeah you really are uh proud of your kids yeah because everybody can celebrate successes you know mm-hmm. i you know i, I read a, a john maxwell book every now and then yeah absolutely and, uh, and um i met a guy yesterday by the chance by, by the way who'd never heard of john maxwell and um, they exist yes yes <laughs> i i gave this little I, I i do toastmasters and uh i gave a speech yesterday somebody had backed out so they needed somebody short notice so i put together something yeah and i told the story and i threw up this quote by john maxwell and um it said if you want to impress people tell them about your successes if you want to influence people tell them about your failures yeah and uh and then i told how she had reflected and, and shared that with other people that's good yeah that's good i can't tell you how many times and that reminds me of the henry ford quote that you shared with me one time yeah and um it now let me let me get it out it's it is in memory I, it, it's processing <laughs> and i'm uploading it right now but it's it's um oh gosh and now that i've said it um oh gosh it's about failure yes um yeah, why is this why is this blanking right now? I, I I'm 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 cracking under pressure because I've told it to so many uh, kids and students and right. athletes. Um, I walk it failure. <laughs> Fail, failure to uh uh oh man. Failure is the opportunity to try again more intelligently. There, there we go. go. <laughs> there it is. It just needed a little urging out, but failure is the opportunity again to try more intelligently. Yep. And um, I have told that to so many. I've even used that with my nieces and nephews, and especially my my nephew. He's learning how to play drums, mm-hmm. and um, you know he he you know he's seen me sit behind a drum set, and he's like, oh, I want to be like uh, mm-hmm. all this other stuff. And I'm like, man, it's one day at a time, one step at a time, and you're going to mess up. And failure is just the opportunity to try again more intelligently. Yep, and yep. I've told that to a lot of yeah. One of the yeah you know, one one thing I did with my kids when they were young was I always gave them images to, to, to put hooks on. Yeah. And we found this image one time of this runner and uh, she had won a big race, but the, the quote was, a loser is a winner who tried one more time. No, I'm sorry. A winner is a loser who tried one more time. Yeah. 
Wow. So you just got to keep yeah. you know, falling and getting up and learning and repeat over and over. And that's that's kind of what I'm 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 maybe the direction that I'm going. And I sent you some you know kind of told you about what we're going to be talking about a little bit. But but the you know you you are a pastor at First Baptist North Spartanburg or First North. Um, right. Have you ever you know you have you ever figured out what you're doing over there? Like <laughs> since 1999 when oh, we went to Romania, you yes. were the running joke on the Romania mission trip was. What is Dwayne doing? <laughs> yeah. no, I, I remember Dwayne. What are I don't have, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, I, I tell people I'm the minister of whatever you need at the moment. Yeah, and uh, I love that role because it allows me to interact with the most people. Yeah, you're... I'm not just dedicated to a group of children's ministry volunteers or, or children or yeah. student ministry or student volunteers. Right. Um, I, I'm. I'm Brawl, stroke, and get to love on and encourage everybody. And, and you're diverse too. Like you're, you can be working with the kids ministry one minute, and then right. turn around and and having to help, you know, the deacons or whoever do whatever they're doing on right. a Sunday morning deacon or whatever. Right, <laughs> counseling, know, yeah, counseling, whatever. Um, and that's that's the diversity thing. And and I think one of the big things too that I've learned from you, just from afar, is how important it is to be a support role. Right. Um, you know, we've had several conversations, you know, head pastor, am I safe to say head pastor is just something that I, you're not called to, or you haven't been called to yet. Correct. And, and the Lord and I had that conversation. Well, we have it often. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't just go, okay. I, I checked in on that. I don't, I don't have to wear that hat. Right. I felt like it a little bit not now. Right. But he still hasn't changed that direction in my life. Right. And and so your yes uh, yes is on the table if he does change that direction in your life. Is that safe to say or or is it kind of a just the passion is not there? Like or desire or drive or or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I, I That's a great question. I I I the Lord and I did a, a really hard conversation several years ago. Yeah. When I was at a, I won't say a precipice, but I was really at a point that I was just thinking about the future. Right. And, and, and in this context, because in ministry, if there is a corporate ladder, that's mm-hmm. where you're, most guys are striving for, right? Mm-hmm. To move up this ladder of ministry roles to become a senior pastor. Right. And I kind of felt like, okay, Lord, I'm getting to a, a point in my life that if that's the case, yeah. it, the time should be coming up pretty soon, right? Right. You know, and just really having some honest conversations. And I've genuinely put that before him. Right. Not just flippantly at a, at, at, you know, reading the book or, you know, mm-hmm. act, you know, they say put the book down and answer these questions or and just really asking the Lord what that next step was. And I, I felt like he was saying, stay the course. I'll let you know when it's, if, if there's a pivot, I'll let you know what it's going to be. But right now, I want you to just focus on loving me and loving people. Yeah, and I, and I think your story needs to be heard because a lot of times in the ministry world or in ministry world, success is only seen as if you climb the ladder and you become a pastor. But the thing that people don't realize, is too, is that a, a lot of great pastors need associate leadership under them that are just as competent just as good just as all this all these things um so i I think like it's good for people to hear you know stories like yours because 
I, I'm sitting in the same boat too. Like, I, you know, I'm, I've walked out of student ministry. I'm working with FCA now. Um, but I don't, I feel like the Lord has kind of shut the door to student ministry at this point in my life. And so now it's okay. Not feeling called to be a pastor. Don't, I, I, I mean, yes, I, I have the ordination papers and all this other stuff, but but there, there are, there is a need for men, you know, to be associates and 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 to step up and and fill that that associate role, that that helper role. Being where you're at right now, has there 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 has been a struggle, like what you just talked about? Has has there been? Is it an ongoing thing of like, has there been frustration? Has there been, or has it just been? Dwayne has been completely just. You know, this is what I'm called to do right here, right now. That's a great question. Um, I won't say frustration. Uh, I will say, and it's funny. I mean, I was just, the, the, the Lord and I were kind of talking about this this morning um, because I, I read something uh, about, I'm doing a, a reading plan with several men on the Bible app, uh, version, mm-hmm. and uh, we're finishing up a, a study on Samson and it was the, the part of the story where Samson with the Lord blesses Samson with his he gives him his strength back you know he lost his strength when they cut his hair uh, so he lets his hair grow back and gives him enough strength yeah. to uh, kind of finish the this whole thing off and uh, and the, the devotion was talking about that Samson I guess it was using Samson's life to make the point that we don't, as men, we struggle more with regret than anything else. Right. And so I, I think that would be, for me, the deriving thing, force in my life, in my, especially in ministry, is that I, I don't get to the end and I look back and I think, oh gosh, if I had only, yeah, I wonder what would have happened, you know? And... One of the conversations that the Lord and I had years ago in that time was, I don't want to write the narrative of my life. I don't want to be able to get to the end and tell you about all the, the, how big my network was, and I called this guy, and he emailed that guy, and that guy knew this person, yeah. and that person called another person, and I got this new gig, yeah. all because I was able to manipulate relationships and connections. And, yeah. And... and puff myself up right i'd much rather my story be i was minding my own business right and my phone rang i got an email somebody took me to coffee you know um i'm working on a project that i can't really talk a lot about now but 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 you but i'll have you on and we'll talk about it yes but the whole nature of this project is is looking at the lives of people who were minding their own business and, right. and their lives intersected with God's plan for them. Right. And now their life is totally different than what they ever thought it was. So, so a lot of times, and, and I know in the pastoral world, there's a lot of men that struggle with, well, just because I haven't reached that level yet, why, you know, what's wrong with me? What am I doing? And, and then you step, so, stepping on some toes there too, talking about, Hey, there's, I don't want to call it any type of, you know, moniker system, but I've seen I've seen people based on who they know, phone calls are made, they 
ride in the car, sit beside somebody at a conference, a resume's exchanged, and then they're at that position, and then, you know, seven months later, they're they're back in the, the fold climbing up the ladder, and the next thing you know, it it's their, you know, they've – They've deemed success. Oh, you want to be careful with that when you say, "Oh, well, the only reason that you're successful is because you know somebody." But there's a lot of people that have have done that and treated it very corporately, rather than going, "Okay, I'm going to." It's almost like a parable of talents type deal, right? Um, I'm I'm going to take what God has given me right now, and I'm going to do with it what what to the best of my ability, and to and to the ability that He gives me to do it for the glory of the Lord. And if, if he brings another pot, another jar, another, whatever, another talent onto the table, um, you know, I'm going to use it. Um, that those are very tired people. <laughs> yes. yes. I'm telling you, I mean, it's, it's not only just for the, the workload that they're pursuing, but I think there's an emotional, uh, component yeah, that is tied to that. Their their self worth is tied to mm-hmm. how they can control the circumstances, and they wear themselves out. And then I believe there's a spiritual component because they basically put God in a corner mm-hmm. and said, "I'll I'll let you know when I need you," and and it, and they're just trying to do all this by themselves. Yeah, yep. And you you've always let me just say this: you've always been big. You've always been big with leadership. Right. Um, that has been one of your talents that's been on the table. You've always, even even as one of the 15 or 16 kids that you initially invested in as a student pastor, which I, I was a part of, Right. you you always, it, I remember the book. It was a small book and it had an eagle on the front of it. I don't remember the name of the book. Um, I still have it somewhere. It's in one of my many boxes that I have. Right. But um, that was kind of, you took like 16, 15 or 16 of us through that leadership book right. on a Sunday afternoon at like one o'clock or two o'clock after service. Yeah. And, um, it, it was, I remember that being kind of one of the first times that I remember you going, Hey, emphasizing leadership in a big way. And that's kind of expanded to where you are now. So, yes. and, so um, how did that, all that happen? Right. Um, I love leadership. Yeah, that's that's somewhat cliche because that's such mm-hmm. a broad term. Uh, but somewhere early in my ministry, you know, one of the things we didn't talk about, Jimmy, is my call. Not well, my call and my path to ministry right. was rather unorthodox by at least by Southern Baptist standards. Yeah, you were you were teaching math at Chapman High School, exactly. weren't you? Not to take your story away from you. Oh me, no, no, but... that was good. You know, I was a high school teacher and loved what I did as a teacher. You know, they, they say that the the American high school is one of the greatest mission fields in America. I would second that with a hearty amen. Um, and it's only gotten more right, obvious as right. the years have gone on. And uh, and so I just learned to embrace it as such. And so I loved, because just to be honest, I didn't get into teaching math because I love arithmetic. <laughs> when I felt like God called me to be a teacher, I had to choose the, the path of least resistance. Right. And it wasn't going to be English or social studies. 
or I, I guess I probably could have done PE, but I just went ahead and went with mathematics. And that's ironic because I'm horrible with math. <laughs> yeah, I am. I, I I had to take the struggle bus courses even just to graduate college. Right. Well, so. <laughs> you were you were my prime target because okay. one of the one of the people that I love to serve in that regard was the kid who said I can't do math, and yeah. I wanted to help every kid know that they could do math. Mm-hmm. But in embracing the role as a missionary on the campus, I just began to learn to love every student I saw. So it yep. wasn't just the kids who were in my classroom throughout the day. It was the kids in the hall outside my room. It was the kids at lunch uh, that I got to check their ID and, and, and different things. You know, mm-hmm. I just loved those interactions just to be able to speak life into kids that I felt like nobody was speaking life into them at all. Right. And then to be able to build relationships with um, kids for the purpose of sharing the gospel. Right. You know, as a school teacher, you just can't stand up and share the four spiritual laws. Right. But if a kid asks you what you believe mm-hmm. or why are you doing you know, they open that door, then you have every opportunity. So my goal was just to build the relationship to the point that where a kid would say, why are you different? You yeah. know, I, I noticed you do this. You know, back then, moments of silence was, a, a, was brand new. And yep. so I, I, I leveraged that every morning by bowing my head, hoping yep. kids would see and notice that. Um, all of that, no pun intended, all of that to say, <laughs> um, that when I started ministry, I came straight out of the high school classroom. And so there was no seminary. There was no courses on anything to do with ministry our pastor just saw the potential in me you know he and i were praying about opportunities i felt like god was doing something in my life i didn't know what it was and so i just went to him to ask him to pray and then that just led to a series of conversations and the next thing i know i'm serving uh, one of the largest churches in the state as a student pastor (laughs) you know and no formal training and so i needed something to at least help me understand what this was about yeah and so I just, well you had training you had training you knew how to work and communicate with a with a high school student yeah right so, i mean but, but you were figuring out a lot from the the how to how to raise how to disciple how to train up all that we were so we were kind of your guinea pigs yes yes ironically but, yeah well okay <laughs> but and and one of the things about that jimmy is a friend of mine had made a great comment one time. He's, he's the guy who wrote the book that we went through, mm-hmm. Steve Wright. And he has said that discipleship is easy. He said, all you have to do is never do ministry alone. Mm-hmm. And so I just saw the opportunity to look for windows of time that we could serve together mm-hmm. and, and learn together. Yeah. And so we did those Sunday afternoon classes. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure you remember a trip or two where we loaded up nine eight nine people in the one the expedition Expedition. and that was right as ford released that bigger suv and so it was the biggest one of the bigger suvs on the market and we were like seven guys and but the thing is you look at those guys that you took on that trip they are in influential ministry positions right now yeah um and and it's around the world around the world Yeah. yeah And it, it started, and that I think that's what I want a, a student pastor maybe to grab or a pastor to grab, is that um, a lot of times we get everything wrapped up in numbers, 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 numbers. Oh, well, how many did you have on Wednesday night? Or how many salvations have you had this week? Or how many? And I look at the 
the impact that Dwayne Morris through his ministry has had through, and that's just the start of your ministry, right? Through those seven guys. Yep. Um, you know, you're on a Sunday morning. <laughs> Your your ministry reaches around the world, right? And it, and that's just talking about the boys that you influenced right there. Yeah, I, I remember it was we went down to Columbia. Yeah, I don't know what the conference, the name of the conference was, but um, there's several. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There's several. Um, there's several moments and stories that we can tell from that conference. Many laughable, but I think the hotel room is the greatest <laughs> story. Yeah. Um, so. And this was before you could book online, or, or were you able to book online? Or no, there, no. there was nothing like that. So it was call and find and hope that you could get a room and all that. And and so how did we all – let me ask you this, Dwayne. How did we all end up in that one room, all seven of us? Yeah, I don't – somehow – you know, if I remember, I had no formal training, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> somehow that made total sense, you right. know? It wasn't like I was going because I was the only adult on this trip. It right. was me and then the rest of you guys. Yeah. So somehow that just made sense that <laughs> nine people would fit in one room. And so we looked like Jamestown uh, in that in that one room. And there, there were at least three guys to each bed. Yes. Or no, two to three guys to each bed. And we had an, every, there was a guy sleeping in the floor in yeah. between every gap. Yeah, but, yeah. And then there was like two at each foot of the bed. Right. And then you ended up sleeping in the car, didn't you? You ended up uh, sleeping in your car. Yeah, that or in a chair, one. But yeah, it was. Um, but you, but you know, as, as with high school kids on, on a weekend trip like that, sleep was really not a priority. Yeah, not gonna happen. Yeah, so it was just basically just close your eyes enough to at least get some rest before we did it all over again the next day. Yeah. But the idea was that we were going to, we served together. You know, I just felt like I can take y'all to this conference and put you in a chair and give you a a notebook and say, take notes and pay attention. Yeah. Or I could get permission to bring you down there and and put you guys to to serving in some capacity. Right. And I just felt like that was the better play for that group. Now I will say this, you, you don't do that kind of ministry and have a lot of people on the outside looking in, saying, "Why can't I play? Yeah, you know, why, why am I not able to go? You know, and I, I never restricted it. You know, Jesus said, "Whoever wants to be great yeah. must become least." And so, as long as you guys were willing to show up and do whatever it took, yeah. whether it meant cleaning up after an event or setting up for something or whatever, you yeah. know, you. The, it wasn't just me handpicking kids. It was me issuing the opportunity and see who stepped up to the plate. Yeah, and what's fascinating, too, is that we weren't – your ministry, We Wednesday nights were non-existent. Like, it, it was choir practice and praise band practice on a Wednesday night for students at, at, during this time. Now, right. I know there's a lot that has changed about student ministry over time. I get it. Right. But you didn't reinvent the wheel – to get us there, right? It, we we were we were there, just on the simple decree of, hey, here's the opportunity. If you want to take it, if you got time, come on. Right. It was a it was a major shift in ministry philosophy for that ministry. Yeah. Because my predecessor had a huge heart uh, for lost kids. Yeah. And not that I didn't, but I did have a bent toward discipling kids. Yeah. 
Uh, and so we did have an Wednesday night event, but it was a far cry from what it was when he was there yeah. because, I mean, it was it was the thing to be doing on Wednesday night. Yeah. And kids came out of the woodworks mm-hmm. from all different groups and cliques. And, I mean, we would have jocks yeah. and the the gothic kids and then the prep kids and yep. the asian kids and the country boys i mean it was yeah, it, it was, was a melting yeah. pot of people yeah, absolutely and um but the lord just brought me into this and we kind of had a little bit of a, of a shift in focus yeah to which i just feel like long term mm-hmm. to your point it creates a a greater impact um, going the just do it the way Jesus did. Yeah, I mean, he 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 engaged at the masses, but yeah. he really spent time with those twelve. And the, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but um, I came to know the Lord sixteen, seventeen years old. Um, I had I had raised in my mom's church, and I I don't know, you know, early on that we talked, you know, because I I spent some time as your intern and also Jonathan's intern. Right. Um, but it's. I came to know the Lord, and there was no process of discipleship or anything going on at my church. And the first night that I met you was Hell Night. Um, yes. Hell, and that was what ninety seven, nineteen ninety seven. I was I was invited and brought by a, a current student that was there, and um, you know she brought me. She walked me up right to you, and she was like, "Hey, here's my youth pastor, Dwayne." And I shook your hand and and introduced myself to you um and one of the biggest things that happened from that point on um when i came to know christ i it was an event type evangelistic event at at a local church and um when i surrendered my life to christ of course the whole process of you know walking down the aisle and repenting of sin all that other stuff um I walked back down the aisle and walked into the church lobby and there was nobody there to tell me what I had just done. Wow. And so it was through our relationship there at the beginning that you showed me what I had done because nobody else counseled me after that. Right. And so it was, it started at that handshake and you started through showing me and discipling me and, and you made me see what I did that night. Um, and then <clears throat> I think it was impact weekend that spring. And, um, it seemed like every t-shirt you were rolling out at that point was tie dye or had something <laughs> to do with tie dye. Um, and, and I mean, mission trip shirts, yes. um, it, mission trip shirts, the impact weekend shirts. And yeah. then I remember that impact weekend shirt, man, Dwayne, what were you, it, it was the tie dye. It was like the blue and teal and all that. And it had red lettering on it. Do you remember that? Uh, vaguely. And and it <laughs> My daughter, who's a graphic designer, would probably be disgusted if she saw it today. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, just even through that simple process, um, you showed me how, even through the various avenues that you took, you showed me how to have time with the Lord. Right. Um, and you walked me through all that. And is crazy is that a lot of and you've also shown me that my ministry doesn't end when the student graduates yes um uh, which is crazy because I, i've got you know praise the lord i've got a, a kid that was 
he was already involved with the student ministry. I still call him a kid, but he's a grown adult male now leading his own student ministry. Um, like I think about him and I'm like, yeah, I had some influence over that kid, you know, and I, I helped him get the job at the, you know, I, I suggested him to go get the, you know, apply to the camp that he worked for that inevitably where he met the guy right? that helped him get to where he's at now as a student pastor. And it's like, you know, Lord, if that's, that's the role that you had me play in his life, then, you know, awesome. Praise the Lord. Yep. And, and I'm sitting in, and as soon as I had that realization, I thought back to you, I was like, we were just the beginning. You were, you were the student pastor for about what, four years, four, four years, four years. Yep. And then the last, the last trip was the Romania trip. Right. And, um, and it was a transition trip because Jonathan had taken, was, was transitioning into the student pastor role. Right. Actually. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, I mean, looking back now, that with our wisdom that we had now, looking right. back, that's exactly what the Lord was doing. Right. Because we joked about the fact that I was somewhat disconnected on not knowing everything because right. we had a missions pastor that pretty much had coordinated all that trip. Yeah. My job was to make sure everybody was prepared, trained. You know, mm-hmm. the, I was the the chief execution officer and by the time we got to the mission trip you were just crowd control yes hurting us all in one direction but i do think when i look back on that that was we joke about it yeah because it became kind of a joke yeah and and, and, in in the middle of it all i'm thinking (laughs) dang i really don't know what's going on you know and it was like the lord saying you know providential looking back you, you could say okay the lord is about to move me into something right and so he was showing me this is going to go on even if you don't have a clue what's going on yeah and then you know we had a really really blessed scenario in that jonathan bright and i were were working together oh yeah a lot more than what was intended yeah uh because he came on just to do student ministry music right and so he just found himself kind of on our side of the campus a lot more than on the other side of the campus right. because that work was done. And so we, I won't say that we co-led, but we definitely kind of shared some experiences so mm-hmm. that when the Lord began to transition, because the transition that you're talking about took yeah. place the following fall. Yeah. So we got back from Romania that summer and within a matter of probably eight to 10 weeks, this transition not just with me and jonathan but several we kind of had a staff reorg so jonathan wasn't officially the student pastor at that time correct he was just the leader of the trip he was the he was because it was a it was a a music trip remember we did music oh my gosh okay so he was handling the music part and then i handled all the camps and the bible clubs and logistics Um, and this was, and and by the way, this was a Romania trip. You were taking, it ended up being almost what 50, 60 kids, yeah, at least 60, maybe more than that to Romania. And this was only a few years after communism officially fell in that country. Right. And here, and, and, and there were still stories of, of bread trucks, food delivery trucks, pulling up to grocery stores and the back doors opening of the trucks and it not being bread trucks, it being, you know, you know communist soldiers you know yeah, rounding up, ha- yeah, rounding up and, and handling stuff right. um and so we're going there you're yeah. ta- we're taking 60 kids on an airplane 
for me, it was my first flight. I had never flown. The first time wheels up was that flight as we left Hartsville Jackson Airport. Wow. I was scared out of my absolute mind. <laughs> and you put me on a plane for – but back up even further, what, what I think about now is – I remember, and I don't know if you remember this conversation either, but but um, I wanted, I, I desired to go on that trip very badly. Um, yes, the the student fun side of it was there, but I wanted to go on a mission trip. I, I you know, I was, I wanted to serve. I, you know, all of that. God was working all that in me, and I wanted to go there. And it was, you know. You know that, like I, I grew up, I was I was lower middle class right. growing up. I didn't have a lot of money. My mom didn't have a lot of expendable income. My father was fighting, battling with cancer. I was. That was my household situation, and and I remember you and Jonathan sitting me down. Uh, I think it was like a Wednesday night, and after everything was kind of over, y'all brought me into the uh, your office, and then y'all looked at me and said, "Hey, if you want to go, we want to see you commit to training." Make it a priority. Be here. If you want to go, we will make a way. There will there will be a way for you to go. Right. Because we, you know, y'all y'all need. I don't want to say y'all needed me, but y'all needed kids right. that were dependable. You know, dependable. Yep. Um. And that moment right there has been echoed in my student ministry or in my ministry for years. I have. I have brought kids into my office personally and said, do you want to go? And especially, you know, going to Brazil, going to, you know, even just camps, do you want to go? And and they would say yes. And, and I would say, okay, well, here's the, you know, we're going to make a way for you. Here's kind of some expectations. And so, and, and that, that trip changed my life. Um, that trip showed a 16-year-old, 17-year-old American teenager how good he did have it, even though he wasn't the richest kid in the world. Right. You know, me and, me and Chris Petit were kind of two peas in a pod. There's a reason why we call ourselves brothers and we, we have kind of camaraderie so much and, and all of that. But, like, um, that trip changed my life. That trip opened my eyes to missions and, and opened my, my eyes to the fact of um, – I it's healthy for a believer to get out of America every few years yeah. and, and put yourself in a situation where you don't have, you know, all the nice amenities that you, that we have here in America. Yep. Um, you know, I, I want to just real quick, I mentioned working on something, um, in my heart, it really, Jimmy is, is for that is to, to be able to see people, grow in their relationship with the Lord to where they are pursuing things bigger than them and seeing God's power revealed through them and but you gotta you can't just sit at home and wait for that to happen yeah and um, part of this project that I'm working on I I talk about um, this idea of knowing that what is this concept of a a, a, I call it the purpose puzzle and I won't get into it now but when you get into un- trying to figure out what God's purpose for your life is beyond loving him and loving people, uh, I talk about putting yourself in the middle of the action mm-hmm. and, and 
looking for ways to submerge yourself in environments where you can have those conversations. Because yeah. I remember on that same trip, oh gosh, I forget where we were, um, <laughs> where we were coming from, but it was you know a long bus ride. It was dusk, and you know over there after people finished dinner they would come out and just sit on the front porch and yeah. kids would play in the yard or whatever yeah right there at the church in galat yes yeah and so but we were on this trip and i and i'm just looking out the window and i'm seeing all these people right and i remember having this conversation with the lord wow is this the next step you know is this is this, are you using this trip to call me to to missions to 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 be a, a full-time missionary right. you know and that's a scary conversation yeah. Because I remember the conversation when God said, call me to ministry, even though I didn't know I was being called to ministry, I just remember God saying, you've done a pretty good job of putting your life in order. Mm-hmm. Now let me take over. Right. I'm like, well, if I do that, then what are you going to do? Well, I'll, I'll take care of that. Yeah. Well, what, what what are you talking about? You know, because mm-hmm. what if I say whatever to you, whatever could be the heart of Africa or the heart of Idaho, I you know. <laughs> What is that, you know? Right. And and the Lord said, I, you just leave that up to me, but are you willing to surrender it all yeah. to me? And, and that's that's a scary thing, and especially for our culture, because we, American culture, teaches us we need to be in control. Yes. We want to be in control. Yeah. If you're not in control, something's wrong with your life and right. all of those things, and that's why when you when you surrender like that to God and it, it, it does seem crazy to our culture because we're, we're both sitting here saying, okay, yeah, we're – we're sitting in my office right now, or a remnants of an office, but right. um, you know, my 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 yes is on the table. I'm open to whatever. It, it, you know, uh, my my wife comes from a, a missionary background. Right. Could you know five years from now could I be sitting in uh-huh. overseas somewhere working through the IMB? I I very well could be. Right. I very well could be. I'm not opposed to that I'm, I'm it's scary it's a scary thought right um but it, it's one of those things of like i would not i don't i don't have any regrets in my spiritual walk right um because i did surrender right like i'm not looking back and going man i wish i was i was this kind of believer because of you know do I still think do do I still know that there's room for improvement and there's room to grow and all of those things? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I am so thankful that that I got out of my comfort zone, and I think that's the phrase that we use it so much. I got out of my comfort zone, and I I God used that trip to start a run with me serving with it, uh, uh, CEF for five six years, right. And then from there, I started working with children's ministries and, and youth ministries, and, and lo and behold, with within student life, with, well, no, with Fuge Camps, Fuge Camp, with Fuge Camps yeah. at, at, uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, and so it all started right there with. Well, actually, if we want to get technical about it, it all started in Orlando. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going way back, um, and and I was, I was on your van to Orlando, and and it was that was kind of um i i realized like right there like yes these christians can be fun you know that was that was my first kind of christian trip um you know i was hanging out it was it was me and, and 
I don't know why, but Jonathan Phillips sat beside me on the bus in the bus. Bus? We didn't have bus. No, no, it was a fifteen passenger van. Right. And we were in the back and right. um Jonathan it was me, Jonathan, and I think Daniel Brackett in the back of that van. I'm not sure. I don't know. But but I remember riding in the back of that van beside Jonathan Phillips all the way to Orlando. Um and just some of the craziness and the fun and but that's where it started. Right. That's where it well, started. And and just for your listeners, this is the, the moment my favorite moment of this trip. <laughs> Jimmy may or may not remember this. Fatigue but, had set in at this point. <laughs> yes. Well, we, we were coming into Orlando. Now he did sit at the back of the van, but there was a moment when Jimmy kinda of made his way up to the front. And so he was sitting <laughs> he was sitting in the seat behind the driver in in between the, the driver and the passenger seat. And Orlando is, you know, is where all the parks are, and yep. so a lot of creative resources. And so yep. there's this really nice billboard. <laughs> it's got Kermit the Frog on it. It's, it's lit up too. Yeah, and, and it's lit up, and and it's and the eyes are three dimensional, and yep. so the eyes are really lit up. And and out from behind, over my right shoulder, I hear, "Look, Kermit has eyes." <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jimmy, Kermit does have eyes. <laughs> Oh, was it 20 years later and I still haven't been able to live that story down? Oh, that's one of my there's a, favorite. There's a great, well, actually, yeah. my favorite story concerning you, I'm, I'm going to ask you to tell it kind of as we wrap the podcast up, but um, let's talk a little bit, especially um, with it, you know, being around Father's Day, let's talk about Faith for Fathers a little bit. Okay, well, I want to... But let's... Okay. We're, no, we're, no, no, no. I, I, don't, want, I don't want to lose this moment because it's, okay. it's something... <laughs> now, it, it, you talk about, you know trying to navigate ministry through our own power and i believe sometimes the lord will allow us to do that to a point mm-hmm. and just kind of sit back and, and with amusement watch us try to do it ourselves mm-hmm. yeah uh mm-hmm. and then he'll say oh, okay I, I i can't take this anymore yeah and, and and i use this in the the i'll just say the the book that i'm i'm working on is it's like going to one of these escape rooms mm-hmm. have you done one of these before yes and so you know you're in this escape room and you're doing everything in your power to solve this mystery <laughs> and you've been in there for about 45 minutes and then the teenage girl that's watching you in the monitor yes. room you might want to check the box yes, that's that, over that's there I'm there's, there's, this voice come you know, everybody's kind of getting short with temper and so all the you're trying all in your own ability and you're running out of options and then this voice from above a teenage yeah. <laughs> boy or girl says uh you may want to look behind the curtain over there on the left you yeah. know and that's the way i think god does is he sometimes allows us to maybe he would be more involved if we invited him but in our pride we kind of say well, i got this yeah and then um and then uh we he lets us kind of do it until we run out of our options right and then if we don't go to him sometimes he'll He'll mm-hmm. step in for us, and he'll be that voice that whispers to us, "Don't do this. Go over here." You know, and, or just really just seek me. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe there's some lessons too to be learned in the foolishness of us stammering around the room, like right that we learn before that moment too. That that once that moment happens, oh, okay. Well, then that's where this piece fits in too. That's where the oh, okay. Because case in point drums have been my passion but drums were just the door that's gotten me into a lot of the ministries that i've been a part of i thought i was going to tell god for the longest time hey i'm going to minister and i'm going to do full-time ministry playing the drums i'm going to go to nashville and praise god and i'm on you know but i was telling god 
how did how I was going to do things. Right. And um, he put a truck in front of me, and that that kind of ended that dream. Um, and he got my attention through that. Right. But but yeah, it um, definitely like when everything fits together, you just kind of sit back and you go, oh, well, that's why I spent four years serving students. Right. Like God had you as the student pastor at First North for that time frame to minister to Chris Petit, to right. minister to Jimmy McFarland, to minister to these these men that are now leaders within their within the church, yep. the big C. Yeah. Um, and missionaries. Exactly. <laughs> and 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 worship leaders and um laymen. Laymen, yeah. And and that's the thing too is is that a lot of times we we write off or think that because we are lay people in a church we we don't we're not as valuable and that's i personally think that that's the furthest thing from the truth because right. that's how the gospel one of the main avenues that the gospel goes out from the church you know from from people in the church like the people that work within the church are very tied down i don't say tied down but but we are very uh, committed to making ministry happen, getting ministry done. And whereas, you know, I, I can't have the conversation with the guy that's in the on the shipping dock in, you know, Lexington, South Carolina, that I'm having to deliver. Like, we can't, you know, you right. can't do that. But but a layperson can. Yes. And so there there's importance with that too. Um, so all this is kind of led into. You know, of course, like I said a while ago, Father's Day weekend, we're we're talking about fathers. Um, and I was thinking about this, too, while you mentioned Jonathan kind of overseeing or, or being kind of the point guy for the Romania trip and then the transition later happening. God was developing and had started probably to develop the friendship way before that of you guys that now you, you are – um, your your title at Faith for Fathers is you are the assistant director. Big yes. quotation marks. Yeah. I, yeah. I looked at the website. That was that was your title on the website. Yeah. I like the picture, by the way. It's very oh, thank you. Very debonair, very yes. uh, regal. Right. I think is the word I need yeah. to use. Right. It's 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 much like what I do at church. Right. I'm the guy who I'm the minister of whatever you need at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Johnson, I, Johnson. Anytime God gives a vision to someone, if you're smart. Mm-hmm. You'll recognize, okay, I need to find the people who fill in my gaps. Now, that's not to say that Johnson can't do the things that, that we do on his own, but right. he's recognized he can't do it by himself. Mm-hmm. And and so multiplying the, the influence of ministry by bringing people in, he 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 extended an invitation to me years ago, and yeah. uh, almost 10 years ago, and I gladly accepted because of the passion of challenging men to – as he likes to say, be the rock stars of their family. Right. And, but yes, we do, it was something that was just an, an easy transition, easy fit, not even a transition, but it, it, an easy um, partnership because yeah. we play to each other's strengths and then we overlap very well in, in some things that we have shared opinions on and that are consistent. Right. You know, a lot of times you have people who have shared opinions, but they're not consistent with each other. Right. Uh, but we, we do a good job there of, of collaborating and then picking the best option, not his option or, or my option. So Faith for Fathers, kind of give us a, a 
a sample sandwich size of of what the Ministry of Faith for Fathers right. is. Right. So our our passion is to really help men leave a godly legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we Jonathan kind of had this moment. This woke up at three in the morning, mm-hmm. to sit straight up in bed, God all in his ear mm-hmm. that this was a critical need and God had placed his hand and it's one of the things where he can't go back to sleep he's got to get up so he spends from three to six just frivolously filling out a legal pad of ideas and thoughts mm-hmm. and whatever and just really began to birth in him this passion for establishing an, an entity that would call men up to to be the spiritual leaders of their home right. to leave a godly legacy right. yeah I guess in a in a clean in a nice and clean fashion at least when I talk about it, I like to tell people that we we challenge men to uh, leave their families, live out their faith, and leave a legacy that honors God. Mm-hmm. And um, we do everything we can to set men up to succeed in that regard. Yeah, All they got to do is show up yeah. uh, in its simplest form. So we have uh, several events throughout the year with mm-hmm. uh, our Cinderella's Ball, which is in three cities Spartanburg Greenville and Columbia yep and then we do a father-son retreat in mm-hmm. the fall up at Black Mountain this weekend we'll have a family 5k yep um, that's really more just a, a, we wanted something to do with Father's Day weekend right but felt like golf tournaments and bow ties <laughs> yeah. were, were not everybody can do a golf tournament yeah, yeah. exactly and, and so we wanted something a little bit different both of us are runners so it just seemed like a really good yeah thing for us to do and so we've got 100 close to 150 people coming tomorrow morning to, to run downtown spartanburg okay we do monthly lunches uh at fudge Ruckers in spartanburg and greenville right call them dad's life mm-hmm. and uh produce content we talk about we just did a series called landmines mm-hmm. and we talked about different things that could blow up a family mm-hmm. materialism social media uh, like a, a time management yeah, uh, busyness, those kind of things, and um, and we just we are a I forget the, the nice and polished title, but we are a <laughs> uh, contributor to Uversion, and right. so we have several plans, several reading plans on Uversion. Okay, uh, that we call table talks, which are designed for a family to to a dad to pull out his phone at at the dinner table one night and do a family devotion. Right. It's all right there in the palm of his hand. So, so really, the goal is not just the events that you guys do, but y'all, y'all are wanting to place resources in the father's hand. That y'all essentially y'all are eliminating the excuse of, well, I don't know how to do this, or exactly. I don't know. Well, start right. Start right. even even the table talks. We tell them, yeah. watch this, say this, ask this, pray this. I mean, we tell them exactly. Yeah. It is as idiot proof as we can make it <laughs> because. <laughs> Well, I mean, Coach, right. your point that the enemy, right. the father of all lives, will convince men, I can't do this. I'm right. not spiritual enough. I don't know this stuff. And and I have uh, I have noticed, even just with about a one-and-a-half-year-old that I have now, those moments like when McKenna's trying to feed him, like if I'm not sitting down with them, if, I, if I'm like running around and she's getting supper ready and we're, she's – sometimes she'll start – because he's so hungry she'll she'll start giving him food in his high chair it's a little chaotic until we both sit down and he sees us eating and now is it foolproof every time no but 
that small impact of just the father's presence right there. Um, and I think uh, read an article the other day just talking about fatherlessness. And I think there's some interesting aspects. It was like a lot of the a lot of the issues that America's seeing today, not all, but a lot of it is revolving around fatherlessness or the absentee father. Right. And the and what I mean by the absentee father is that um, not just the father that that's not in the home or there, but the father can be in the home but not engaged. Right. Um, and this is not this is not us bashing these dads. But as a, if these dads are followers of Christ, they're called to be leaders of their home. They're yeah. called to be disciple makers, and right. that's a, that's a big thing that I think you can echo too. As a for, as a former student pastor, hey, yeah, you'll help with the student pastors are to help with the discipleship process and raise the kids, be a tool to raise the kids in Christ. Right. But mom, dad, you are the primary disciplers, and even right. more more emphasis on dad, you are you are the discipler for your family. Right. And you have a heavy influence as to the direction that your kids go right just by your simple influence yeah and and you make a great point you know being not just being in, your, in the home but being intentional in how you, you lead your family yeah jonathan cites uh, a study and i'm going to try to quote it verbatim but what they did was they did a, a study on families where the mom was the spiritual leader. Mm-hmm. Both parents were the spiritual. They shared that spiritual leadership. And then the dad was the spiritual leadership. And the long-term impact of those families showed that in the families where the dad was the primary spiritual leader yeah. had greater influence long-term than the other scenarios. Yeah. Um, and that just means it doesn't mean the dad is doing devotions and mission trips with the, you know, not the the high level discipleship. Right. It's just the dad is getting the kids up, actively get, engaging, getting mm-hmm. kids up, and getting them to the church on Sunday morning. Getting to church, making it making it a priority to be at the things that they're involved in. Right. Just the simple things, just showing up, right. being there. Right. Um, and owning owning the role. I think you uh, you may have said the word advocate. You know, one of the things that I teach. You mentioned leadership. I do engage people in inside and outside the church with leadership content. And one of the things that I talk about is this idea of a support challenge matrix. And, you know, we, and if you look at it in terms of scripture, I think in Mark, it talked about how Jesus came in truth and grace. Mm -hmm. So support challenge, truth and grace, either one. Yeah. You got to be able to calibrate both of those. And, but a, a, and so if I can calibrate both of them, I'm setting, people up to, to lead well or my kids to, to mature well in the faith. Right. Uh, but if I do all grace and I'm very dismissive, then I'm mm-hmm. just protecting people and nobody's really growing. Yeah. If I'm all truth and all challenge, I'm just dominating people. Yeah. But there are the people, like you mentioned before, that are none. They, yeah. they're, they advocate that role, and that's where we're seeing the biggest deficit in our culture because mm-hmm. kids are growing up without dads without a, without that influence. And I knew on the flip side of that that coin too that that not just encouraging the dad to hey you need to be involved with your kids all this other stuff. That's a hard message to preach especially to a culture that has done nothing but mock fatherhood since the mid 80s. Right. 
um, you know, basically proclaiming culture says we don't need you, dads. Right. Moms, you know, hey, we need moms, and and, and not let me asterisk here, not moms, females, ladies that may be listening into this podcast. We are not. Um, don't hear what we're not saying right here. Right. Um, but I do think that there is an epidemic of of just degrading fatherhood and and being that present father, being a nuclear family, right. being the you know, I'm not saying you got to bust through the door with a protein shake and lifting, you know, 5,000 pounds every day and driving a truck that's, you know, hey, and if that's your thing, right. you do you, but 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 we we've kind of the culture has kind of encased masculinity and the male presence and and all of that in the home is a bad thing. Right. Yeah. And if you watch any any TV show, actually, I can't say any, but to your point, popular media, especially on TV, has portrayed dad as the biggest doofus yeah. in the family. I grew up with Homer Simpson, Al Bundy. Um, the list goes on and on. Tim Tim Taylor. Right. Tim Tim was you know more more palatable, but he was they still kind of portrayed him as a goof. Right. Um, but how do you take a man, uh, how, or how do, how does Faith for Fathers take a man and instill, hey, you know, you need to be following Christ type deal? Right. Do y'all do y'all address any of those issues with with men in your ministry? Yes, I mean, you know, one of the things that we do, all of our events are not just good times with your kids. Yeah, I mean, at the ball. Jonathan always speaks to the dads for about 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and as he says, and he is spot on, it is the hardest talk he gives all year long because he's speaking to a room from with kids from five years old right. to 15 or older. You know, well, then you got the men. Yeah. And, and so he always, we're always striving to call men up to their potential. Right. It's not necessarily our job to call them out, but yeah. we can call them up to what, what they can become yeah uh the father-son retreat we usually bring in a a speaker to uh speak to the men you know mm. we plan activities just for the boys to go play dodgeball or activities in the gym by themselves right. and this speaker will challenge the men straight on about their spiritual life and their spiritual leadership yeah um and then all like i said the, the table talks are always designed written for the dad to leave and so yeah, you know, I think if Jonathan and I, if it weren't bivocational, you right. know, this is something we do in addition to other ministry right. opportunities and roles in our lives. Right. Uh, I guess if we were ever to get to a place where we could give more time to it, right. we would strive to create some opportunity for ongoing engagement, mm. i.e. a coaching service, you know, mm-hmm. and and there's a need for that. I one of our dads stopped me in Greenville at our last uh, dad's life, and asked, "Do you do you ever do any kind of coaching?" Yeah, and I said, "Well, I don't know. We don't we don't have a formal program, but I'd love to, to talk with you to at yeah. least find out what what you're looking for." Yeah. and so he and I had this Zoom call um, Wednesday, mm-hmm. and uh, young dad, not a believer. Right, uh, he comes from the Sikh, from Sikhism, mm-hmm. you know, the Indian, and uh, but he recognizes a deficit, right, 
I mean, he he consistently shows up, and so somewhere in this, in in our conversations, in our presentations, because right. we always speak to the dads, right? Um, he's recognized there's something missing, right? And uh, we had a really good conversation this week. I'm, mm-hmm. and, and one of the things he's looking for is how do I leave my kids? Well, he's got young kids, but he also said we need my wife and I need community. How do I find community? Yeah, and I just begin to talk about good old Southern Baptist Sunday school and <laughs> yeah. small groups. Right. I, well, how do I, you know, how do I find them? I said, well, you go, you go on the website, you yeah. know. And I was able to invite them to our church. Right. And so that may be a, a shot, but I think the the key is is you you're you find a way to to meet people where they are mm-hmm. and serve them through loving them the way Jesus would love them. And see them the way that he would see them, and then hopefully facilitate the conversation toward a, a deeper level of understanding of, of him, yeah. what he's done for them, yeah. uh, the sacrifice he's made for them, and then the relationship he wants to have with them. Yeah. So to the dad that's going, okay, you know what, Dwayne, this or having interest in faith for fathers, or or just coming to the admission within themselves of going, okay, yeah, I need. I need to do something here. I need where where do they start? Where where does Faith for Fathers recommend these guys start? Um, I well, I I guess Johnson. I'm trying to think of how Johnson answered this question. I would my answer would be let's yeah. have a conversation. Yeah, if it's just one or two dads, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we don't have a corporate tool, which we probably should work on that. If again, limitations on time, right? But I think, if anything else, at bare minimum, is that you look around and you find a dad that you think's doing it. Right. And you, you say, can I take you to coffee? Right. And I want you to tell me what you're doing. Yeah. I think you've got to become a student. Mm-hmm. you gotta, you got to lower your pride, humble yourself, mm-hmm. and become a student of people you think that are that are doing it. Yeah. That's how you and I learned how to play drums. Yeah. We looked around and said that, you know, I remember, I can remember specific guys would do a lick and mm-hmm. I would do my best to emulate yep. that, that feel, mm-hmm. that riff or whatever, you yep. know, and, and then sometimes I'd go to him. Travis Johnson mm-hmm. taught me so much. Absolutely. So me he too. would do something. I'd go to him right after, dude, you got to show me how to do that. Yeah. You know? And so you find people that are a little bit further down the road yep. and you say, teach me what you know. Yeah. And, and that's good. That that applies to so many areas of life, even even to the kid that's listening to this. Last week, I had a, a, a guy on, he's uh, a 17 year old kid that just graduated high school, made six figures last year off of selling high end sneakers. Right. There are that's 80. I'm willing to say 80 to 90 percent of, of men who worked honest, good jobs and make good money, didn't make the money that he made flipping sneakers last year. Right. And it was all just based off of a, hey, I like to do this. I'm going to go find people that do the same thing. I'm going to learn from them. Right. And, well, I'm going to start doing this mainly because I don't like working at Zaxby's in the back fry room, right. you know, and all that heat. Not Love Zaxby's, not a shot at them, but, but he used it as a motivation. Yeah. And that's even like... Yeah, it, it it's crazy because you've instituted you, you've like instilled that in me, not not directly, but you know, because I look at student ministry and I go, okay, I I took my first full time student ministry job, had not a clue, and so what do I do? 
I go and sit down for an hour and a half to one of the guys that's one of the best in the game, right. Seth Buckley. Yep. And I sit in Seth's conference room and I say, where do I start? Yep. What do I do? I am scared out of my absolute mind. Right. Where do I go? Right. And Seth made a couple recommendations. He said, don't freak out. Yep. Start here. Do this. Read this. And that got the ball rolling. And then a couple week, couple months or a couple years later, I walked back into his office and I'm like, my student ministry's grown. What that, do I do? That, and yeah. he just looks at me and says, what? Don't freak out. Just replicate. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's easy for you to say, but that's such a, such a cool thing. Um, kind of as we wrap up here, um, I've I've held this for last because um, over the years, our relationship has has more or, or grown, not morphed, grown. Right. Um, I jokingly still call you my student pastor because it's it's like you kind of laugh and get a chuckle out of that yeah. because you know takes me back. Yeah, it takes you back to uh, rush. It was the beginnings of rush hour and all that other stuff. But yeah, um, one of the funniest situations and and as I was, we were making plans. McKenna and I were making plans to get married. One of the funniest scenarios played out on our wedding day. Yes. Um. Because we called you, and, and, of course, McKenna's dad, being a pastor, was going to marry us. Right. And I was like, well, I want to have, have Dwayne somewhere. Right. Um, and, you know, so we, we decided to have you do kind of the welcome yes. there. And so it, um, possibly, potentially, the hottest day in 2013, um, and we're all in this makeshift bar barn right. in Hull, Georgia. Um, looking back on it, I ask a lot of you. I'm sorry. Uh, oh gosh, you. no. Thank you. Um, but I, I want you to walk. I, I want to know your perspective. I want to. I want to hear your perspective of. Okay, you're you're one of the few people sitting with me behind the curtain. Yes. Where the chairs were. Right. Before the wedding, but tell the tell tell the story of kind of you doing the welcome and then what happens yeah, I thereafter. Yeah, I do that. And it's funny, you talk about how hot it was. That would probably be the second hottest wedding I did in, in, in Georgia. Oh, gosh. Jody Blanton's wedding was on a, a on a, at a lake, on a dock at a lake in the middle of July, and it was as hot as it is right now in South mm. Carolina, you know, 90s and 100s, and I had a black suit on. Oh. And, um, and then they, they were very insightful. They had this little tent thing. But where I was standing was at the edge of the tent thing, closest to the sun. Mm. So I had no shade. And uh, I thought, I'm going to say amen and, and turn around and jump in the lake. <laughs> but uh, but now that was great. And that was an honor, you yeah. know, just to be a part. I, that's a great, one of the greatest testimonies you can uh, yeah. have. Uh, I guess testimonies would be the word. But just um, blessings, I really did when a student invites you to be a part of a defining moment of their life and yeah. so i was saying yes was not even a hesitation mm. um and then i under, you know obviously her dad wanted to be a part made total sense in yeah. fact you know i i did a logan's wedding my daughter's wedding mm -hmm. and several times i would think back my, my mind would go back to how tim mm -hmm. did that because i paid attention that's because um, i had nothing else to do because um, as I did my fulfill my responsibilities <laughs> of welcoming everybody, that you know that we had a wedding director and she was very clear. Now, when you 
finish, you're just going to step over to the left, kind of go behind this curtain, and then um, just make your way around. And I've got you a seat saved on the very front row. Yeah. Seemed very logical. She had thought it through. I appreciated the work she had done. And so the service begins. Uh, Jimmy comes in. and uh, Did you know about the maple syrup? Pardon? Did you know about the maple syrup before they did it? I did not know about the maple syrup. They... So, so they, they, all my groomsmen handed me, of course, it's all tradition, handing things, golf balls, jingle right. bells. We had eaten, we, we'd ate at uh, Cracker Barrel that morning. Right. And so they all got a bottle of syrup from the table. And as they came down the aisle, they handled me, handed me that bottle of syrup. I see. And we put, I had a bag, I, I knew something was coming. So I carried a little velvet bag, right. I bought one and Rex had it. And so I put that syrup in the bag well somebody just threw that syrup in mckenna's car well it leaked out while we were on our honeymoon oh gosh and to the day that we sold the car there was like like it had gotten down in the fabric oh, of man. the thing and so i did not know the, that yeah yeah a story within a story sorry yeah that's good so um so i you know jimmy is there tim and uh, mckenna come down and i graciously extend the welcome to everybody for coming and being a part of this very special day and it was an honor for me to be a part to, to be able to do just a little thing of welcoming but it, as with this family's blessing tim is going to give his daughter away and, and give the, and finish the service and yeah. so we did that and i said a prayer and i was stepped over to the side well i stepped to my designated area only to discover that that room had been completely filled with the food for the reception <laughs> And there was no way for me to get around the food without creating this huge commotion behind the curtain. You know? <laughs> what you didn't want to have is pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> and so I just had to stand there for the rest of the ceremony. Yeah. But to my benefit, I got to enjoy some really good food while I waited. So you tasted some of the food I made while sure you it was all, Yeah, I was quality control. What did you do? What did you eat? I uh, had shrimp and cheese and crackers. <laughs> But the problem was is when I started eating the crackers, I couldn't get anything to drink. Yeah. But then I was really messed up. So, so there's. Do you still? Have, there's a. You took a picture, didn't you? Didn't you tweet or something like have, that of yeah, a picture? I think I did tweet that out, but I don't know if it's there, not on my phone. And you took a selfie, and yeah. you and and I'm we're scrolling. You know, everything's over, and we're you know we're on our honeymoon and we're i'm scrolling through twitter right. and i see Dwayne morris's picture yeah. of us of you behind the curtain and i didn't know anything about the story yeah. because it was total chaos you know of course but yes. like it was so funny now when did you come out from behind the curtain was it after, I, I after they said hey man I started walking down the aisle you know <laughs> and you just kind of just kind of made my i'm glad nobody came looking for me so. But it was also a hottest day, hottest day of the year, and you're all around all that food too. Exactly. Um, so that's that, Dwayne. I, I man, I, I thank you for sitting down with me. Um, I, I think we could probably go several areas, and and I definitely want to have you on when you uh, complete your your project. Yes, yes, I'm excited, and this uh, is a work in progress. So let let me do like the sh the shameless self promotion stuff here. Right. Um, I know we talked about Faith for Fathers, and we talked about like how can we, um, if somebody wants to get in touch with Dwayne Morris or, yes. or Faith for Fathers, how can they do right. all that? Well, Faith for Fathers is easy. It's uh, we're on the web and on social media with Instagram and Facebook, mm -hmm. uh, Faith for Fathers, and then the the inter the website is faithforfathers.org. Uh, a lot of good resources. All those table talks are there, so you can, 
you know, people they don't have to just get them from version. Uh, a lot of the early ones are on the website. Um, me personally, I, I'm all over the place. I try to, I guess, anchor to Instagram and um, Facebook, depending on the content. Uh, mm. With all due respect, I recognize that the Facebook audience is a lot different than the Instagram audience. <laughs> yes. So I try to, some of the information is joint. Right. But if it's audience specific, I try to you know, split the difference there. Right. Um, I, I do, and Jimmy mentioned, we talked a little bit about this. It's just a passion of mine is leadership. And I have opportunities to have leadership conversations with yep. different people. One on one and some corporate stuff, some nonprofit stuff. And so that's a, a passion the Lord has given me a little bit of favor in here mm-hmm. recently. And I love to have those conversations. Yep. And I'll say this that it, that a lot of times some of the, the higher names that talk about leadership are, are maybe a little bit more expensive. But, um, uh, you know, I, I know that your, your wisdom and your knowledge is just as good, if not. You know, me personally, showing a little favoritism, if not better. Oh, yeah. Um, um, but, well, it, yeah. It, but here's the thing, Jimmy. I've just really embraced the idea that, that true lasting influence uh, and leadership is not found in the next book, the next podcast, the next video. Right. It's found in personal transformation. It's, it's found in Romans 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, be, do not be... Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed yep. by the renewing of your mind. And so it begins with individual transformation and flows out. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that, you're going to have long-lasting influence, which is why, you know, not to go back where we started, yeah. but I knew to, to do the ministry the way that I felt like God was calling me to do it. Right. I had to make sure I was in my house was in order. Yeah, because I could not give to you and the rest of those guys and any student, but I could not give away something I did not possess. Mm. And so I had to constantly keep myself in check and make sure that I was feeding myself, growing myself, so that I could pour that into mm. you guys as well. And it's because of you that uh, there's a section on the on my notepad on my phone that I have that are that are called notable quotables. Yes, and I and I take and uh. Because the the running joke, especially with anybody that that has been under your leadership, um, you always have a quote for something. Yeah, it's you know, hence hence, yeah. hence the um, you, two things you've always told me is lead by example and have a book everywhere you sit down. And right. Rest. And and I'm not as diligent about the first one or the second one. Right. But I'm di- as diligent as I am about the the first one. But um, I have a a list of just notable quotes yep, and just things that I come across during the day that, that are like, Oh, that's good. Um, and, and it's, um, you know, one of the things that, um, you've always told me is also be a solution. Right. Always. If, if you see a problem, don't, don't point the problem out, be right. a solution. Yeah. And that's, and we can, we can definitely have more conversation about leadership, but uh, your Instagram is uh, Dwayne Morris. I at, got in early. Everything's Dwayne Morris, so yeah. it's not. I don't have to add different numbers and stuff like that. So just Dwayne Morris on Facebook and Instagram. Okay, sweet. Well, Dwayne, um, thank you so much for sitting down here at the table. Um, definitely want to have you back on when uh, you roll out your project. Yeah. Um, and then um, also probably to talk, uh, maybe have you and Jonathan. I don't know how I can get a word in edgewise between you and Jonathan, but uh, <laughs> we definitely want to have you and Jonathan on uh, to kind of talk a little bit more about Faith for Fathers.
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Table. Any information about today's guests will be in the comments section of this episode. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, feel free to email us, thetablepodcastsc at gmail.com. See you next week here at The Table. Yeah.